0: Welcome to the Modern Miss Mason podcast. I'm your host Leah Bowden and over here we learn from, celebrate and lean into the teachings of educator Charlotte Mason whilst focusing on how they truly impact a 21st century expression of childhood, motherhood and education. Welcome back to another Modern Miss Mason podcast. Here we are week two of season six and it is a great one today. I know I'm always going to say that but as I was editing this podcast I was truly moved and really inspired by our guests' stories and the ideas that we are left with after the conversation. So I shall come back to that in a moment, as I introduce him, uh, but I, I don't know what kind of week you've had. Here we are in at the beginning of October. We've had a good few weeks in our house, anyway, of getting into the rhythm of a new school term and work rhythm, and kind of getting everybody to where they need to be at various points in the week. And it doesn't look like I planned. You know, I, I'm sure some of you can relate to that. Um, the end of August beginning of September I sat and did a whole uh, big plan and I always print out light schedules just so we can visually see something I I am a visual person I need to see what's going on I have menu boards up on the wall I have um, lists up. I I just I am that kind of person so I had this plan I had all these wonderful plans and three four weeks in whatever it is now three weeks in it doesn't look like the plan at all (laughs) so many things have changed because reality the reality of driving kids to different places and you know having teenagers and older children at home home educating and other kids out at work and you know the timings and the sleep required and the meals and I even after all these years I was unrealistic in my plans. So you know what you do? You just have to pivot, don't you? You just have to change them, tweak them. Just some little adjustments can change your perspective, can help you feel less frustrated. And I really encourage you today, if you are feeling like I'm behind already and I never get everything done, then it's time to take some things away because you are overloading your your schedule, your lists, your expectations. So let's lower expectations. (laughs) Let's take some things off the lists. Let's uh, let's adjust the schedules, keep them looking real. And that's what I've done. I have gone back to what I planned and I have taken my own advice and I've probably stripped away um, like a third of it maybe. And now I am sat talking to you guys, looking at my personal, like how does my week look? And it is simple and realistic and I might actually get some stuff done. So (laughs) that is where I'm at. And um, I hope that gives you a little bit of encouragement and some inspiration if you are feeling the same way. Well, guys, I'm not sure how many of you have really dug into Um, the kind of products and services I have available over here on Modern Miss Mason but one of the things I do regularly is coaching one-on-one coaching Um, and it is. I think I have to say it's probably one of the fa- my favorite things to do. In fact, I open my book, my book that comes out, Modern Miss Mason, January two thousand twenty three. It's coming soon. You can pre order it. I open the book with a coaching story, with uh, you know, literally sat on Zoom talking to a mother, and I love it because I get to meet you. We get to share real stories. I get to draw from um, my many years of home educating, studying Charlotte Mason, but also my years of training in leadership. And um, sometimes we talk, we know we get into stuff about motherhood and life and it's just wonderful. So I just want to make sure that you know that that is available to you. You can go across to my website, modernmissmason.com click on the thing that at the top that says coaching and um, I do that all year round. So find a slot that works for you. I coach people all around the world and I hope that I will be seeing your face very soon. today I am thrilled to introduce you to our guest Daniel J Carver. Dan is an actor, a writer, a producer, an artistic director. He's a husband and also a father and I know that you're going to love this conversation today. Dan was recently in a Royal Shakespeare Company production and as watching kind of that unfold for him I thought he would be a great person to have on the podcast to talk to the uh, community about Shakespeare, about acting. Um, But we don't just get that. He doesn't just talk about Shakespeare. We actually talk about his story of origin, how he... Um, you know when he started to feel like he wanted to be an actor and what his teachers thought about that he talks about his parents and their part in his story he does talk about his experience um, with the Royal Shakespeare Company he gives us some great tips with Shakespeare for learning it memorizing it and you know using our bodies and practicing it it's a brilliant conversation And there's a great story in here. One of those stories where, you know, a teacher says you are going to you're not going to come to anything. You are not. This is not going to happen. And, um, you know, you show them (laughs) how many stories like that have we heard. But Dan's story is different as he gets to meet the teacher many years later. So listen out for that story. Guys, if you love this, please share it. Please share it on social media. I'd love more people to hear about Dan, his work and the Modernist Mason podcast. Um, you can also click on those five stars and leave a review. Uh, that would also be amazing, not just for me and Dan, but also it tells and helps other people find the podcast. Okay, let's jump in. Here's my conversation with Daniel J. Kara. Well, Dan, thank you for being on the Modern Miss Mason podcast today. We're so excited to have you.
1: Yes, yeah, thank you for having me, Leah. really appreciate it. It's good to be here.
0: Well, we do have to say to the audience listening that we are recording okay. um, on the hottest day
1: <laughs> of
0: I think it's probably like the hottest day in history ever, in history. ever in the UK. Yep. It is, it is, so yeah. so if, we, if, if the listeners do hear kind of wind blowing because doors are open or everything, just please excuse that. But we are trying to keep as cool as possible in a non-AC culture. But it yeah. is great to have you. So um, oh, you. why don't you um, tell everybody a little bit just about yourself, your family, just to get us going, you know, introduce yourself.
1: Yeah so uh, my name's Daniel, um, Daniel J Carver. I'm an actor, a writer, I'm a producer and I'm the one of the founders and the co-artistic director of Writer of Passage Productions which is a production company I run with my wife. Um, it's my wife's and myself's 10-year anniversary um, Thursday just Happy gone. Happy
0: anniversary! Thank you, That's thank great. you.
1: So we have just been celebrating that and we've got a lovely little one-year-old son called Ethan Jeremiah, who is just keeping us on our toes.
0: He's gorgeous. Oh, thank (laughs) you. He actually had
1: his set of immunizations today. He had two in each arm and one on each leg. And that was just horrible to see today, so.
0: Oh, on a hot day as well. On a hot
1: day like this. So he's just resting up at the moment. Um, But yeah, that's me essentially. I'm a creative artist through and through. I've been performing since I've been six years old. I'm 40 next year and yeah, I just, love everything to do with creativity and I always say to young people when I'm speaking to them motivationally is that drama film and theatre saved my life it transformed my life and I believe it has the power to do the same in other people's lives and that's why I'm a massive advocate of using the arts to explore to create and to have fun.
0: Wow that's amazing we want to hear more about that okay so take us back then you just said you started out um, acting when you were six years old. So tell yeah. us the beginnings. Like, well, How did you know this was a thing that you could do? Did you have people in your family who were examples of that? You know, tell yeah. us your beginning story.
1: The origin, Yes. Yeah, so my, um, I come from a, um, a Christian background. So my dad was a pastor. My, my grandparents were heavily involved in the church. My aunties used to sing. So I suppose I, I've seen my family on stage talking and singing. Um, But when I was six years old, I used to be quite a a shy child. And my mum is my mum, really, who kind of pushed me towards the the acting and the creativity side. Um, So as a six year old um, boy, I went to study verse and prose and poetry. And that just really opened up my eyes and my horizons to language and text and performance energy, I suppose. And that carried on through primary school, through the nativity, doing the Easter story into secondary school as well. I did a bit of drama there and I didn't do that well at uh, school, to be honest, Leah. I struggled at school Um, academically. It was hard for me to engage, but when it came to things creative, I I really excelled. And yeah, after school, um, in fact, I've got a, a very powerful story actually, because I've just finished with the Royal Shakespeare Company and it was during my school years where I really wanted to become an actor. Myself and my dad were watching The Green Mile one day. I'm wow. not sure if anyone's seen The Green Mile with Tom Hanks. Yes. Um, but we was watching that one night and we were both in floods of tears, Leah. And oh. and I was like, Dad, I, I, want, I want to be able to do that. And he was like, do what, son? I went, I want to be able to bring people to different emotions through through how, how we're feeling now. And he was wow. like, Dan, well, go and do it then. So the, the next day, I was probably about 17. I went to school, went to the head of drama, I said, Mr Neil, I want to become an actor. He goes right. This is what you've got to do. You've got to audition for drama schools. You've got to get a contemporary piece of text. You've got to perform and a classical piece of text. And yeah, you got to audition. And that was the, really the first time I ever auditioned. And I auditioned for drama school, the Birmingham School of Acting. That was in Do you remember years.
0: what you? Do you remember what pieces you used?
1: I did um, Macbeth um, as a classical piece. Um, the, the the scene when Lady Macbeth. Tells him to go and into the king's palace and kill him, and he sees the dagger. So yes. is this a dagger which I see before me that yeah, handle yeah. towards my hand? That was the the classical text, and I think I wrote my contemporary piece. Actually, it was wow. called Queen's Head, so I wrote that myself, and I just performed it. And I got a scholarship to get in um, to train for three years in uh, acting. And wow. after that degree, I, um, I had I got an agent, and then I did a lot of commercial work, TV theatre, film, radio and it just went from strength to strength there and but the reason why I mentioned the RSC, um, I'll come back to that later in terms of what I did there, I remember kind of getting into trouble at school and I got sent to the head of sixth form and he was like "Um, let's call him Mr James for now because I don't want to to reveal (laughs) his name. I went to Mr James's office and he was like Daniel this is getting ridiculous now I mean what do you want to do when you leave school because I don't know what direction you want to go in and I said I want to become an actor and he kind of laughed at me and he said Dan that's not going to happen because you're not driven enough and I don't think you have what it takes so just try and think of something more within your means and that crushed me. Wow. I really did. I went back to my dad and it was the week after that I went we watched the Green Mile but let's fast forward to let's say two months ago I'm walking into the Royal Shakespeare Company backstage, just getting ready to um, do a rehearsal, um, sorry, a, a warm up for one of our evening performances. And I see a familiar face, like working behind st- stage door um, with a RSC um, uniform on. And I went, Mr. James. No. Yeah, he went, oh, I <laughs> went, do I know you? I went, it's Daniel, Daniel. I went to the school, no, that's... He went, oh my God, he goes, what are you doing here? I went, well, I'm... I'm an actor now. I'm performing ah. um, on the Royal Shakespeare <laughs> Company stage, and I didn't. I didn't say anything to him. I don't. I didn't think I had to. No.
0: But
1: for me, when I speak to young people, whether it's in prisons or schools, and I say, "Don't let anyone tell you that you can't achieve whatever it is that you want to achieve," and for me, that was so symbolic seeing him there. Wow. And what he said to me <laughs> 17 years ago.
0: Yeah. You, you know.
1: And, that's yeah. such
0: a powerful story wow
1: it was quite emotional actually and very yes, I, then... yeah
0: I feel quite emotional you're saying it just kind of retelling it now yeah so and... so, so you went to you did a degree in yeah. in drama or was it
1: it was in acting it was straight acting. acting okay yes.
0: so how do you go about getting an agent that's
1: probably quite interesting to hear. Yeah, I suppose it's it can be quite tricky. I mean, after drama school, in a drama school context, it's they have a showcase yes. at the end. So all the actors will go down to London and then the drama school will invite um, selected agents, casting directors, directors, okay. producers. So it's a big affair. And yeah, you do your showcase, you perform a monologue, you'll do maybe a classical scene from Shakespeare, a contemporary scene, and you just showcase what you can do if you can do accents, if you can do a different range of emotions. And at the end, it's quite daunting, actually. And um, We go to the bar area after, and then people will either come up to you or or not. And I remember wow. after that day, there was about 12 agents that came up to me and they were interested. And I had a few meetings the week after with these different agents. And yeah, I chose one that I felt was right to represent me. And not everyone gets an agent after drama no. school. And I, I always say to young actors, don't, it's not the be all and end all if you do not get one after drama school because it's about the work that you do prior to drama um, yeah after drama school and leaving and your commitment and your dedication to the art but yeah that's how it um, happened for me after drama school I had a meeting and okay. I found the right one to yeah represent me
0: so so the writing and producing it was yeah. that part of your study as well because obviously that's part of the package for you and you're obviously yeah. very gifted but did, how did that start to build? Um, or okay, so oh, was is, that all... Yeah, that, tell Yeah, us.
1: it's very interesting because it wasn't a part of um, the package at drama school. It was just a straight okay. acting degree. But again, when I was younger, I always used to write poetry. My mum, again, thanks to my mum, Pauline Anderson, for oh. getting me into creativity. She always used to <laughs> read to me as a child, as we do as parents. But the way she used to read was so dramatic and she used to bring the characters to life. And... I just used to love writing my own stories from a very young age. And I suppose five years into my career as an actor, the the statistic is there's 95% of actors out of work and the rest of the 5% are jobbing, they're working in bars, they're trying their best to get that next job. And whilst I was out of work, I, I, I was just writing plays. I was writing film scripts and I decided to do my master's degree in contemporary film practice. Okay. down in Plymouth um, with my close friend at the time and I just started writing and writing and I met my wife back then she was um we was in the same play together and as we became more and more friendly and we got married we yeah we set up a production company called Rights of passage Productions and it was through that I wanted to really engage and empower young people through the arts and I just found myself writing more and more content, taking to the schools, and then here I am now, 10 years later, writing professionally, emerging as a playwright. And yeah, it just happened because I was trying to create the work for myself and not relying upon the industry to give me work. Because if you rely yes. on the industry, you can be sitting around for ages, I suppose. So that was my kind of my motive to okay. continue being busy and active.
0: Very good. Yeah, yes, That's a smart move. So uh, I, I, and we'll, I want to dip into what you're doing at the moment and kind of what you're working on now. But yeah. l- let's jump into your experience working with the Royal Shakespeare Company, because I know lots of our listeners, um, they read and study Shakespeare with their children. They read poetry with their kids. They, you know, literature yeah. and good literature is a big part of... Um, um, our lives those of us who were kind of involved with with home education all this kind of yeah. and, the, and the people who are listening so you already mentioned your mum I love that story that she read yeah. to you and you wrote poetry but there you are sort of um you know using a piece of Shakespeare for your audition and then the next you know come down the road how many years you're on yeah. the stage yeah. in Stratford and and London oh you can tell us more about that but yeah. um how you know where did you get the the drive to finally do that and how mm. did you get into it and just tell us the story
1: yeah so I've, I've realized in my life things come around full circle so my mum again used to take me to Stratford as a young boy I used to see the right. Royal Shakespeare Theatre um, from afar as a as a teenager and I've always thought oh, I want to be I want to be on that stage I really want to do that do it like the great actors like Lance Olivier and Patrick Stewart and Anthony yeah. Sher and many of the other greats. And I I had an audition, my agent got in touch with me and they said, in fact, no, there was a play called Faith that the RSC were doing in conjunction with the Coventry of Culture. That was last year. Okay. Um, so I worked at the RSC, not doing Shakespeare. That was last year. And then three months, I, I emailed the casting director to say, thank you. It was a great experience doing this play called Faith. If you feel I'm right for anything else coming up in the future with more gravitas, then yeah, please let me know. Yeah. And then three months later, my agent got in touch. He said, Dan, the Royal Shakespeare Company, they're auditioning for Henry the VI, part two and three. The only thing is, it's gonna be a nine week rehearsal process in London, which means I'd have to be away from my wife and my son for nine weeks. And it's a six month contract. What do you think? I went, wow. oh, oh, nine weeks. <laughs> got a young boy, he was only f- five months then. Um, I spoke to my wife, and she's like, Daniel, that's your dream. Yeah. Go for the audition. If it works out, then we'll work, we'll work with it. If it doesn't, then what have you got to lose? Right. So I went to the I went to the audition. Um, I've read some texts. The, the director Owen Horsley, the, the the casting director was in there as well. They quizzed me on my knowledge of Shakespeare, how I got into loving Shakespeare. We broke down some language, which some iambic pentameter and performed for them. And then after 15 minutes, I was out. And then within two weeks, my agent ran me back and go, Dan, they want to cast you as Lord Clifford oh. and Horner. I was like, oh, wow. wow, okay, really? So my dream as a young boy has now just been actualized. Wow. So went back to my wife. I was like, oh, babes, I was like, they've said yes but now we've got to deal with me being away for nine weeks and I've got, yeah. we've got to get the finance right and the contracts and all the business stuff had to get sorted. Yeah. And I'm a man of faith, as you know, Leah, I'm a praying yeah. man. So I prayed about it and spoke to my agent who was very supportive and I managed to get the right deal financially, um, locationally wise. And I moved down to London at the beginning of January this year to start rehearsals with a company of 26 actors and it was one of the best experiences of my life. I mean, I'm just thinking about just the process I went through, you know?
0: Well, I, we were kind of watching it on Instagram, little bits, little yeah. snippets like you shared. And I could, Dave and I kept saying, it, This looks incredible. What an experience. What an adventure. But to be able to just throw yourself into that. And so, nine weeks. I mean, to, you know, to the listeners and to me, maybe. I mean, maybe some of our listeners do this. Maybe this is what uh, they're listening, and they they were in theatre. Mm. But that idea of two two plays, right? So you two were rehearsing plays. two plays mm. in nine weeks.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. That that sounds intense.
1: <laughs> it, it Very was extremely intense. Extremely intense. It was. Uh, so, really, yeah, it was.
0: So as soon as you're given. The go you. This is it. This is your part. Are you yes. learning straight away? Do you get working instantly?
1: Um, I do. I like to read the script, I like to get a feel for the character. I do a bit of research as well. But a lot of directors say to actors, Don't come into the rehearsal room knowing your lines because then you have nowhere to go. So, okay just know it well, just have a feel for the character and then we'll explore all the nuances um, within the rehearsal. And that's what the rehearsal is for, to get it wrong, to get it right, to change things. And But it was intense because we got two huge epic plays. I mean, yeah. Hen- the Henry plays um, were one of the first plays Shakespeare wrote, he was only in his early twenties. So they're right. very raw, they're very um, heightened as well. And the language is very dense as well so having to rehearse two plays in classical text was a huge task and but the team behind us the voice coaches the fight coaches the the stage management they all contribute to allowing the rehearsal process to be um, as smooth as possible because they've got a vision the director's got a vision in his head and as actors we just wanted to to contribute to that but it was intense but I i had the time of my life man i really did
0: so, and you did? Were you involved with some
1: fight scenes? Oh man, I had some great fight scenes. <laughs> I, I had one of the biggest fight scenes in the second part, was, which was Wars of the Roses, which is when yes. all of the the Lancaster versus Yorks—they're so at war with each other—and the first part of the play, um, myself, Clifford, and York have a massive sword fight. So for me, wow, <laughs> oh,
0: yeah, amazing! I, I
1: loved it. I loved it, and I lost <laughs> a bit of weight as well, which was good.
0: all that running around yeah yeah, Yeah. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about the memorization process because I know that's a that always um Mm. feels like a huge thing you know to be able to 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 memorize those lines but because they're not in our everyday English vernacular they are you know uh, Shakespearean language yes what is yeah, exactly. what is your process and did you pick up any tips from the other actors when you were there yes
1: yeah, so um, every act has a different process but there has to be a I suppose an understood process when it comes to learning classical text and that's why the Royal Shakespeare Company are renowned for what they do you know we have voice coaches we have um, Shakespeare gym every Thursday to kind of break down text and to not only understand it, but as we're speaking it, for the audience, for them to understand, understand what we're saying and it to sound like it's everyday language. So that's a task in itself. Um, but in response to your question about the learning of the lines, my process is to read and to understand what the character is saying to the thoughts and feelings for me, because as human beings, we say something because we think it first Sometimes yeah. we don't and some people can get in trouble for the same thing without thinking about it. <laughs> yes. But in a context of language and, and re- rehearsing lines, I look at what's the thought process of what the character's saying. He's angry right now. He thinks, for example, he needs to get it off his chest that he's angry with the fact that the Yorks are, be, are traitors towards the king. So that's the thought and the text just comes around that. So sometimes I record it so I can hear myself back. I oh, um, record the other lines as well. So when I'm, when I hear the, the, those lines, I can come in with my lines as well. And it's about rep- repetition as well. Yes. As yeah. babies, I've got a son at the moment and he learns through repetition. And yeah. the brain is very clever at doing that with what we call muscle memory. So the more I repeat a line, the more I go through it is the more it will stay in my head. And yeah, as an actor, that muscles just grown. I've been doing that for the past 17 years so, so are talk, you I'm literally just, like
0: spread. pacing your house or your flat or wherever you're practicing and oh
1: yeah
0: saying the words out loud over oh, yeah. and over yeah over yeah. and over
1: again in the mirror in front with my wife with other people um different ways of doing it i'll whisper it i'll shout it i'll just think it all the ways i can just implant it in my brain because when you're on stage you want it to become second nature you don't want to really be thinking about the lines it needs to be there and that process of nine weeks helps those lines to embed in the actor's brain
0: wow gosh incredible and did you I mean did you pick up anything else from being around Shakespearean actors you know did you learn anything new from anybody else or did you find that your your skills were strong enough to be able to go into that environment
1: oh I'm always learning Leah so I mean there's um, a few actors they were so great at what they do um but there's an as an exercise. So if you've got a piece of text and you break it into, if you break it down grammatically, every Chisora or full stop or every change of thought, they will change direction. We'll walk it, so we'll be on our feet, we'll be walking around the room, speaking the text. And every time there's a comma, we'll change direction and change wow. direction again. So you can get the different um, pauses and the, the thought processes and the, and, the, and the silences that the actor has or the character has, sorry when you were doing a, a monologue and that really helped us to break down and understand what is this character actually saying? And I realized more and more that Shakespeare was an actual genius because everything is there in the text. Every thought, every feeling that the character's yes. going through is there written for us. And that exercise for me really helped shape those thoughts as an actor and I was really able to now, when I'm on stage, pinpoint everything I'm saying to the other character.
0: Wow, that's amazing. Okay, so so imagine then there's a family and they are read you know, doing some Shakespeare. So so often a lot of the families, a lot of the listeners will begin Even when their children are very little, reading um, Nesbitt's beautiful stories from Shakespeare, or there's a book called uh, by Charles and Mary Lamb, a really old book, which is Tales from Shakespeare. So they're reading the, they're getting the grip of the stories. And then as the kids get older, they will start to read the plays and they might, um, you know, listen to them on audio and they're just trying to learn and and get a hang of of what Shakespeare sounds like. I, I wonder, you know, so these, a lot of the, our listeners, their kids are not in a school environment. So they don't have a drama department, but they yeah. are mixing. I, I've got one friend who gets families together and they just read Shakespeare and they'll do oh. a bit of acting together. I do you that. have any kind of creative ideas? Because you work with young people a lot, but other yeah. things that people could do with their kids at home to help them engage with Shakespeare a little bit more? Do you have any tips around that?
1: Yeah, um, I always say if you can have a interpretation as well, um, so you have the actual original classical text, but then you can always find the interpretation or a summary of what is actually being said in modern-day language. I yeah. think it's important to be able to understand, because we don't understand what we're saying. It's harder to perform it or speak it. Um, but then uh, another tip I'd um, suggest is to go through each word in a okay. line and break it down. Why is that character saying that word? What do those words mean? you got to go to the dictionary to find out what it means and because when we have that understanding it makes it a lot more richer for us and we it can yeah. flow our tongue more um yeah play around physicalize it as well how's the character feeling and then if it's feeling angry then physicalize that with maybe the hands going towards the head if he's feeling happy then yeah skip around and say that piece of text yes.
0: um you
1: know i think it's important to embody language what i found out working with the rsc is that the language is being embodied, it's very physical. I used to come off stage sweating because of how much effort it took to speak this language and all the thought. Right. So yeah, yeah, I think it's great just to dance around with it. Also, you can go to animalization as well. What animals represent this character maybe? And maybe if it's a lion, as you're speaking that text, pretend to be a lion as well, because mm. then that will give you more character. If it's a bird, is this character quite light on their feet and quite happy? Is Julie, like for example, Juliet's character in Romeo and Juliet? She might be like um, her imagery might be a bird or a gazelle because of how light yeah. she is. Whereas someone like let's say, um, let's say Iago in Othello, who's the Othello. villain, the, yeah, he could be more of like a a snake in the way he delivers his work. So good to find animal imagery as well because Shakespeare uses animal imagery all the time he really does so yeah I think that's, that's interesting it. yeah
0: that's great and do you have any preferred um um performances that you and obviously a great experience is to go go to the theater but not yeah. everybody has the budget for that no, I know, uh, I know. There, do you have recommended um um, performances on online or um, that you can stream are there the ones that you always think oh that's better than this because the BBC have got them and you the, mean and you can go on the RSC um, you can go on the RSC, RSC website, can't website
1: as well yeah and they're they're quite cheap at the moment now I mean like the, the one I've just done Henry's ten pounds for both shows I think and the BBC iPlayer as well has much to do about nothing on their Winter's Tale.
0: Oh, great. Um, and okay. YouTube
1: is a, a great resource as well. There's some great clips on, on YouTube that we have access to for free.
0: Yes. and Because if you are reading one particular scene, you can often find that scene on YouTube, can't you? And see, yeah, yeah, you see how somebody else has interpreted it. What, yeah, do you, yeah. what do you think of the very kind of modern interpretations of Shakespeare when people really bring it into kind of 21st century
1: yeah. clothes?
0: settings because what you've just done is, was quite traditional wasn't it
1: yeah we did it medieval we went Medi- all the medieval okay yeah, medieval. so
0: how, how do you feel about the, the the other kind of ways of interpreting i, I know some people just don't like them
1: yes yeah, for... some people don't oh. i'm talking between the two because um after we finished henry they've done richard the third which is the last of the history cycle okay. and um that was directed by greg who was the um, artistic director of the rsc and they had a a modern take on it in terms of the costume and the setting. Uh, but then you've also got companies who totally modernise the text as well. And yes. that can be quite tricky because then we are going to be you're losing the essence of what Shakespeare was saying. However, yeah. I always say, however, for young people it's very useful because right. Shakespeare's stories are very much relevant than when there was then and that it is now as well. There is a relevance to it, you know, theme yeah. of jealousy, of loyalty, of being a traitor, of love, of family, all these themes that Shakespeare wrote back then is in the text and is relevant to today. So if someone modernises it, I, I totally understand because we can still relate to it. It's about relatability as yes. well and getting that young body
0: yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I'm torn
1: between, between the two, I think.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. I've seen, I've seen both and uh, yeah. I've, you know, I've been, I've taken so much from them both but i i, I do love the more traditional uh yeah. definitely medieval so um i guess a couple of things as we come into land i'd love to hear a little bit more about your writing process as you are and i know you're working on a project or you're maybe even ready to go with a project at the moment um yeah tell, tell us about script writing and how that how that's how's that's kind of going at the moment for you
1: yeah so script writing um I'm still fairly new to it as a structure, as a craft. When I was writing when I was younger, I was just free writing. I was just writing what was on my heart. I was writing poetry, I was writing spoken word, short stories, but I'd say within the past, excuse me, within the past five years, um, I'm what they call an emerging playwright. So I've done okay. a lot of BBC writer's room. I've written, I've been in writer's room for digital TV series and, um, recently I've been commissioned by the tobacco factory in Bristol to kind of redevelop a play that I wrote five years ago. And that's going into rehearsal um, at the end of August to be put on on the 22nd of September through to the 8th of October in Bristol. Um, So yeah, I've started to realise more and more that writing is a craft because yeah. the audience needs to be taken on a journey essentially. And there has to be a beginning, there has to be, a middle, and there has to be an end. Um, the end doesn't have to be concluded. It just has to, the audience just have to understand the journey that the characters have been on. So playwriting for me is all about the character journeys and 80% of it is character work. And then the other 10% is the arc and the structure and the plot because the characters drive the story. So I'm learning how to craft story now there. And yeah. with a director, with a dramaturg and they're really helping me to craft what I want to say because every writer has a voice. They want to say something, if it's their view on the world, if it's their view on family, if it's, if it's race relations, if it's on children's um, book, whatever it is, we've is, we've got something that we want to say and writing helps us to craft it in a way that an audience can understand it and it can be put on in a theatre or on the screen, essentially.
0: Well, and I, I wonder, I mean, you can, I wonder having a, an acting background and coming into writing, coming into yeah. script writing must be a really great insight because it is. I mean, I'm assuming there are people who just do the writing and, and yeah. haven't ever been on stage or on TV. I mean, mm-hmm. that must be a helpful process because you're seeing you're writing into, you know, you're writing from yeah. experience, aren't
1: you? Really, that's a great point. I mean, when I write, I I think kind of how is an actor going to say this? Because when I read a script as an actor, sometimes I go, oh, that I wouldn't that wouldn't roll with my tongue like that, or the dialogue's yeah, yeah. really free flowing, it's very naturalistic. So I love writing dialogue because as an actor, I know how important it is to be able to perform that. So yeah, I yeah. think it does really help me as um as an as a writer to have a compliment acting background
0: yeah amazing so so i will put the link to um to that to that show in in bristol i'll put it in yeah. the in the notes of the podcast so people are cool. near bristol or if they want to go see you and um, want to go see your work um yeah. i'm sure that you'll get some uh yeah some people coming to see that'd be great but just as we as we wrap up here I'd love Mm. to why don't you share a little bit about your work with young people because you've got such a powerful message Dan and and I know that um I mean that's how Dave and I have got to know you through and we first saw you after doing the Lions program you were on a on a stage and we were blown away. You and your wife oh, were doing this the piece. I think it was the mask. And um yes. just like, whoa, who is this couple? What? <laughs> this is amazing. But you yeah. obviously have uh, done a lot of investment in young people and that's part of your uh passion and part yeah. of your uh gifting. Um yeah. you know what why where's that come from? What is, if you had a couple of messages, because I know a lot of people listening have got teenagers, they've got young people, they yeah. may have kids who are, who are interested in this kind of stuff, but it's not even just about acting, is it for you? It's no. about helping kids kind of find their way. Um, yes. Tell us a little bit more about that.
1: Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so where I need to start in talking about this is the power of storytelling. Um the power of the arts to transform, but to also explore what's important. So, As you know, I do a lot of work with Grace Foundation, uh, with Dave and the team, uh, myself yeah. and my wife go into schools, with sometimes freelancers as well, and we explore poignant issues, whether that's anti-racism, whether that's bullying, whether that's confidence building, character, county lines, knife crime, whatever it may be we have a creative spin in it. Right. And what I've realised there with creativity, it unlocks a different side to young people because they're so used to sitting in the classroom and having a, a quite rigid way of learning. And I'm not saying that's wrong. Um, everyone has different learning styles. Yeah. But when we come in with a creative, creative method, it unlocks something in their brain to ask questions, to come out of their comfort zones. So for example, if we're looking at um, confidence building with year sevens who have just joined school and they've got to navigate this whole world of this big school, and we come in with a creative response and allow them to explore their thoughts and feelings. We start to hear them, we start to hear their voices, Leah. We're yeah. putting them in the driving seat. We're speaking their language and they're able to understand and kind of process what they're going through um, as well. And I, I use the metaphor of the mask as well. I um, you yeah. we know what a mask is. I always look at the physical masks, what we see in the world, whether it's COVID masks, Halloween or, or balaclava. But then I look at what does the mask mean metaphorically as a front, the masks that we present to the outside world, but I'm very much interested in, and this is the parents with young people and teenagers, what's going on underneath the mask of young people? To yeah. so the front that might go, yeah, I'm all right. Or I'm cool and yeah, nothing's wrong in my life. And I'm everything's fine or I shut down. I don't say anything. How do we uncover what's going on for them underneath those yeah. thoughts and feelings when they do get sad, when they do get depressed? Sometimes when we are talking about mental health, when we are talking about low self-esteem, how can we tap in to that realm underneath the mask and help them to kind of process that? Because I found that drama allows us to tap into that realm tease things out and then they find a little confidence to start talking about that side of them a bit more and I feel that when young people talk about that side of them a bit more the private side and we can talk about it in a fun and creative way it sticks with them and I think that's what I'm interested in that even if it's one student or 20 students that they remember that metaphor and they remember the confidence they were able to have in that session that we did and talk about it to other people whether it's their parents or friends or even apply some of the um the resources that we provide so that's a bit of a a, a nutshell really trying to kind yeah. of condense what we do and the importance and why we do it as well because it changed my life Leah I was very yes. much on the road off going down I was very violent when I was younger I was very angry I didn't know how to process underneath my mask if that makes sense. And drama allowed me to do that so I know that it works. And when I do work in prisons as well with hardcore adults who made choices in their life that have led them to prison, the same metaphor really works. The same creativity works and it allows them to come out of their shell. So a few tips in conclusion is, yeah, talking, hitting those young people underneath the, the front, the mask, using different creative methods to explore poignant themes writing in terms of writing i have what i call free writing so i'll say to young people all right we've got five minutes in those five minutes we're going to explore five words and what i want you to do now is just to write whatever comes to your heart so i'm gonna say the word family so for one minute just write what comes to your mind when i said the word family and i will just write 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 it doesn't matter if it doesn't make sense just write what comes to your heart the next word would be fear and we can go on to COVID or it could be anything that we want to explore. And then when these young people look back at what they've written from the heart, it actually surprises them. Right. And then you can start to navigate what you do after that based on what they've written and kind of kind of get a structure for it.
0: I love that. That's really helpful. I'm, I'm really um I feel like we've had just the beginnings of an insight into your story, but the power of your message and, and thank you for your amazing work. And I, I I have to say at this point, every for the people listening, Dan is going to be joining us at the Modern Miss Mason conference in 2023. Oh, yeah. So that if went. you want to hear more from Dan, if you want to meet him, and we're going to have a really uh, creative afternoon for the conference next year. Um, I'm so thrilled that you said yes, um, I booked you early, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, I feel
1: that asking, you asked me. No, I feel that you asked. Oh, so thank you.
0: Well, I, you know, I knew that. I, I know you've got a really powerful message, but I also want, um, I want to bring theatre acting production into the conversation of creativity more yeah. and more for um, for young people who are, especially for those who've been home educated. They'll often learn poetry, read books, maybe even do art, you know, look at art. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we need to talk about theatre more, I think, and acting. I, like I think it's, it's, a, it's a powerful, um, you know, way of expressing ourselves, but also seeing yeah. life on stage is just amazing, isn't it? Yeah. I believe so. it. It really is. So, thank you. This has been fantastic. I know yeah, that you. people are gonna are gonna uh, really enjoy this. If people do, do you have um do you have a website? Are you accessible online? Um, if people do want to kind of reach out and say hello,
1: yeah. I mean, mom is a lot on Instagram on Facebook um can i give you will you have those details to put under yeah
0: i will put them in the i will link to all that so that's fine yeah i will make sure people so so guys if you go to the um details in the podcast wherever you're listening you'll find go and click and go say hello to dan dan thank you this has been great Um,
1: thank you leah really appreciate it